Hey everybody, welcome to the Anthony and Todd Show. We are a weekly podcast that critiques and memes music. I'm your host Trevor, aka Madlib, and Oh No present GTA 6, aka Muramasa the Demon Blade for the Nintendo Wii. <laughs> That's all I could think of. Like I used to read Nintendo Power, and that was one of the songs that they covered, or one of the games that they covered, like really heavily back in 2010. And now he works with Slow Tie. <laughs> I'm joined by my ever-attentive co-host, my best friend, my pal, my amigo, my droog, Vincent. A.K.A. music to beat your meat. <laughs> this is episode 124 of the Anthony and Todd Show, an episode we would like to call Music to Actually Be Murdered By, A.K.A. Eminem's Revival. Uh, I don't really understand the title of that. It's because it's the Alfred Hitchcock album that that's being sampled through. I just think that's stupid. To be murdered by, but like, not murdered by. Too. It's like, like the music is going to do the murdering. Yeah, I think that's what it's implying. That means it's so shitty. That <laughs> I'm gonna die. That was actually Kamikaze and Revival. This Both is the third. Me. This is the kill shot, <laughs> but not aimed at MGK. No, this time just <laughs> randomly shooting into a crowd, <laughs> yes. which he does on this. Yes. Oh, it comes uh, full circle. Uh, time to go over uh, to this. This week we're covering the latest projects from Mac Miller with Circles. Eminem with music to be murdered by, which is in reality the only thing to be murdered by is my, my meat. It's a knife. My meat's going to be <laughs> oh. murdered. <laughs> uh, after that, Muramasa with RYC, Raw Youth Collage. Not college. Col- not college. I thought it was college at first. And then finally, The Professionals, which is the team up, a Mad Lib and Ono, two brothers, or two people I always consistently forget are brothers. Uh, team up as the professionals on their self-titled debut the professional uh before we start you can check out the anthony and todd show on twitter instagram facebook at anthony todd you can find us on youtube.com forward slash the anthony and todd show you can find us on patreon patreon.com forward slash the anthony todd show and you can find us on podbean apple podcasts google play podcasts and spotify by searching the anthony and todd show on your favorite podcast listening service <laughs> without any further ado it's time for us to come full circle into this new uh, posthumous Mac Miller release circles. Uh, Mac Miller, uh, or I don't know. Would you consider him a legend at this point? Do you think he? Yeah, but only because he died. Is it a thing where it's like I, I, I don't know? Because like I think in some aspects he is, but like I don't know. You should just make like was, Mac Miller. American rapper used to make like college rap, like a lot of like college campuses were just bumping his music all over the place. And then at some point he became like a, a huge voice in like more jazz rap and abstract rap. I would say specifically around like Divine Feminine time yeah. back in 2016. And then last year releasing um, two years ago or two years ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's 2020 yeah. now. Uh, two years ago releasing Swimming, uh, which was more of a down to earth album that dealt with like mental illness and, and more just feeling like you're just alone drowned. drowning yeah. um i think it had a, a cheesy character but that kind of worked in its favor i think there were some elements that just kind of fell flat some of the songs felt too long they didn't progress as well as i wanted it to some of the ideas didn't seem as focused as can be but i think the character of mac uh, what he presented, not through his lyricism, was consistent and consistently enjoyable. Yeah. Um, he tragically passed, I think, a few months later after uh, tragically ODing. And this album was left uh, as uh, essentially his family brought together uh, John Brion, who did 
production with Mac and was working on this album while he was still alive. Um, and apparently, like, I, from what I heard during an interview, I think he did with Zane Lowe, uh, he finished, like, nine out of the 12 tracks. And the ones that he didn't have, that Mac didn't show him yet, he finished. Or at least they're near completion. And uh, John Brion, mostly known for teaming up. He's known for scores of, like, Eternal Sunshine, of The Spotless Mind, but more importantly, working with Kanye West on late registration. Uh, he's a, just a great producer of around just Mm-hmm. insanely talented um and on this the pairing works really well and hearing about how john inspired mac to more believe in himself was really nice and get him to just like trust his own instincts was really interesting because uh the inspir or the influence of john brion isn't just like him playing all the instruments he right. tried to force mac to do more himself uh, like on the track Once a Day, which I I encourage you to hear a little bit snippet of the Zane Lowe interview because it's really it shows how much the relationship in a short time he had an effect on John, which was really nice. Um, this album follows. It was always meant to be a companion to Swimming. Follows the same things, uh, coming full circle in a sense, but also Swimming in circles. Also, the idea of uh, life and death, uh, the, the, the circle of life, and uh, it. I think it is stronger lyrically. It's not the most groundbreaking, but I think the consistency in themes really works. I think this is probably Mac's most consistent project to date. I think Good I Am and Faces are two of the projects that stand out at the top of his discography, and I think this tops them. I think he put out probably, with this, he was working on what was considered to be, is probably going to be considered his best project, and I think his most ambitious project to date, because it, Literally, one of the saddest things about Mac Miller's death was not just losing the individual, but losing the potential that was there. And, like, because swimming just set so many bricks that I felt like could have been stacked. Yeah. Um, instead, we just had all these bricks made and we didn't know what to do with them. <laughs> um, but it, it, it really, I really wanted some closure in that aspect, and I felt like I was never going to get. And even hearing tracks that were dropped after his death, like features he did for the Free Nationals and 88 Keys, cemented that he was going somewhere lyrically, uh, very fluent in the ideas and the processes of the themes that he's touching on both this and swimming. Yeah. So it felt like he was striving and striving to become a, a better musician and lyricist in himself. And on this, I think we're getting a more a, a very lighthearted, somber, which is not only somber because of Max's death, but I think this album it it has that like emptiness, and it really it, it's hollow, even amplified by his death. It's hollow on its own, but when you amplify the backstory and the tra- the tragicness to this album, yeah, makes it more heartbreaking. Uh, it's hollow, it's empty, but still warm at points. I think you get a, a different shade of Mac. It's not just all this uh, jazzier or soulful material. You get moments like uh, which he kind of goes back to his like college rap days, or things that were more appealing to like mass pop audiences. Like uh, it reminds me a bit of Party on Fifth Ave in a sense. Really, I think like there's maybe only two or three tracks that I'd be like, that's a that's a straight up rap track. Yeah. The rest of these are like way more singing. You can like feel that. Um, I'm. Just, I feel like with that singing, you can almost like feel the pain as yeah. well. It's sometimes like hard to pick up on emotions when somebody is rapping, but he he sings, I think, really well. Like some of his best vocals. To his date. uh, 
I, I think we described it as like not Cajun, Cajun accent. Because it's like he talks like he has a bunch of marbles in his mouth at times. And it works. Like it gives him this distinct uh, sound palette. And it works. And I think he really amplifies that to like a, a point where it's uh, emotionally breaking. Yeah. Which is really nice. And you can you can empathize with the voice and tone that he's predicting or producing. I think moments like Everybody, which is the cover of an Arthur Lee song, is truly just like the core of what this album is about. About circles of life and death and how... It's going to be fun while it lasts, but it's going to end at some point, and you're just going to have to accept that. And yeah. it's literally just a circle in it. Circles feels so somber, hollow, and just uh, lightly building. Like, it's just the start of yeah. something. It, it, this is the perfect beginner to this record. Um, once a Day is a really interesting track when once you know the story behind it and hear how it made John Brion feel emotionally and the recording process about it. I, I think you should do some research on your own and watch the interview you do with same loan because I don't think I can really emphasize what that track probably means, but on this album before I knew the story it feels pretty short. And some of these tracks don't feel like the fullest fledged out musical ideas, but they're still pretty solid in composition throughout everything else. I think if Max was alive, we would see a little bit more polish on some of these topics. Oh, I, some of these I definitely think so. Some of these tracks end like really abruptly, specifically like once a day ends really quick. And then I was like, oh, is that the last track? Yeah, it was really weird. Um, and then I think like Blue World specifically. I love that track, but um, the choruses are obviously like reused over and over. Like he only recorded one chorus. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty obvious that that happened. Uh, but yeah, I agree. Like, if he were still alive, I think it's fair to say there would be like a lot more polish and probably like more emotion that went into this. A lot yeah. of re-recording. But from what we have here, it's still it, pretty good. It yeah. seems like Mac was like really close to finishing this. Honestly, yeah. like a lot of his his um, his a lot of his verses are very fleshed out. Yeah, uh, they don't feel like they're unfinished, and that like the family had to take too many liberties yeah. with deciding what this album was going to be about. This is one of those posthumous albums in an age where we have like the the releases of Little Peeps and XXXTashian's music. This feels like it doesn't feel like cash grab. It feels like oh this is finished. Uh, or, or it's like near finished. Hey John can you help us out and go through his archives and see if there's anything that can complement like the rest the remainder of this album. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's tastefully done. I think Mac would have wanted it almost this way. Um, I think Good News is probably uh, probably his most ambitious track in the sense of lyricism. I think this is where he really hones his skills, and he really portrays the emptiness emptiness he was feeling, and also a feeling of like distrust towards everyone else, and not feeling like he could relate to people in the sense that they only wanted the best out of him, and they didn't want to have to deal with the worst, and they only wanted Good News when it was available to them. They don't want Mac when he's at his worst, and it really... It really amplified the tenderness that this record has. Yeah, you can really feel like the struggle that he was going through at the time of this recording. Like some tracks, he uh, there's one track specifically. I think it might be I can see where he like specifically says like here I am, I'm at the end. Yeah. Like you can you can see me like struggling. And that's just really it puts in a whole new light once somebody's gone. Like it's it's too late yeah. for them. It's too late to to feel a certain way or check in with them or anything because like they they're gone but you can you can feel the struggles it makes us it makes me specifically feel like how did we not see that yeah how did anybody not see that coming 
when he was obviously like making music like this. Um, one thing I think this album does really well is it gives a sense of closure. Uh huh. Which uh, I don't know. I think a lot of his fans needed that, and I feel like it really just. If it needs to be a bookend the remainder of his career, I think it really does a successful job at doing that. I would, it's a stretch, but I almost compare this to David Bowie's La, um, Black Star. In some ways, and yeah. And like specifically the track um, Lazarus, where he's like talking about. Because like, here's the thing it works almost too well as a closer, and that's the scary part about it. Exactly. Like Black Star, like. David, Black Star was eerily like well he, put together to where it would be a closer, but this is like. This is very haunting, I yeah. feel like. And it's a great closer. Swimming was kind of inconclusive, I yeah. felt like. But Circles um, almost makes it feel like, well, he's obviously struggling, but it ends like very peacefully. There's a very yeah. like, peaceful vibe to this record. Yeah. And I appreciate that because it, it paints Mac in a very positive light. Yeah. I think it was just a great career closer. Like, even if Mac was still alive and this was the last record that he put out, I'd be like, that's great. Yeah. There's nothing else that needs to be said. Yeah. I think this really cements pretty much what he's standing for his entire career, and I think yeah. it's good. And yeah, it is like a black star because it's just it's just so it eerily. works so well. It's creepily eerily. Um, yeah, I'm leave, I think that's that's it. That's all I really need to say. Uh, give my scores if you tell me unless right now this is like an eight plus. Yeah, I'll give this an eight. Yeah, really enjoyed it. And uh, I was gonna say hope here for more from Mac in the future, but that's I I that's, still hope I not, hope he comes to me. 13 Mac Miller standing around my bed. <laughs> standing guard around my bed. <laughs> well, I hope John Brion gets... Eventually we hear from him in some capacity. Because he pops up every once in a while in some studio album associated with hip-hop or R&B in some fashion. So Yes. Uh, are you ready to get murdered? By music. Yes. Time to go over the latest Eminem album, Music to be Murdered By. Woo! Uh, not really woo, but more like eh. Uh, Eminem. Detroit MC. Yeah. That's I mean, been making music for a long time, especially under the name like Slim Shady. I uh, made tons of like really great records, and then we got to recovery, recovery probably like 2005. Which, in, in, in post-respect, it's not terrible, because I think, like, right now he's in a recovery No, phase. personally, like, I like recovery. Because, like, the singles... I think there was good stuff on recovery. I think that the sentiment behind recovery is extremely powerful. And then, at some like, he stopped making music, and then he went back to making music, and, like, Marshall Mathers LP2, and I remember specifically, like, when that came out. And there were... I mean, there's good tracks There's on good that. tracks. There's not, I don't think it's, like, a good good record but it almost like ushered in this new phase where he was like yeah fuck recovery i'm going back to what i was making at the very beginning and then like, like he, he just started on a really dark road here's the deal he's not like going full goofy like it was recovery at times or for cheesy and like marshall mathers lp like took a back step and he's like i'm gonna be more edgy but he doesn't do full horrorcore like he was at the beginning i i guess that's like what i'm saying is like he soft rebooted himself after he said like I'm going to take some time off and I'm going to like quit the drugs. I'm going to take care of my daughter. And I remember like back in 2005, I was like, good for him. Like I respect that. I really respected him like as an artist and, and as a guy for doing that. And then 
all of a sudden he was like, yeah, whatever. Like I completely went back on that. And then like he, his soft reboot is nowhere close to like what he was trying to do. Cause like I enjoyed early Eminem as well for what it was. There were like two separate voids that that filled. Like those were, those were two separate hungers that were quelled. But then he started making like revival was awful revival. and i knew that he thought that that was the greatest thing he'd ever put out if you you know what's the greatest thing we ever put out probably a revival review because i think i'm the most angsty i've ever been in my life doing that so i, I definitely i definitely i definitely check that review out because well, it's the most fun but that know, album is fucking terrible it was awful and then kamikaze <laughs> came out as a special release or a surprise release and he was like you didn't like revival well thank you <laughs> it's a spherical lyrical <laughs> <laughs> he literally is just taking shots at anyone who dissed uh, Revival and uh, Revival is still the worst of the two because it just is painfully trying to be pop rap but is failing in every uh, known aesthetic but still being completely mindless to what made himself great in the beginning and any nuance he had in the beginning and then Emmett uh, Kamikaze was taking that yelling at everyone for no reason people like MGK even though we got the good kill shot out of it afterwards like why why start beef he was, there <laughs> he was he didn't deserve that <laughs> like not because mgk is like an amazing person but still he like, stood for all of us and <laughs> fell <laughs> no that's soldier boy <laughs> soldier boy still stands for all of us but mgk stood in the line of fire that was like the that's like the meme with the military guy like that with all the like knives in his back that's mgk we're on we're on the floor sleeping <laughs> Just saying he deserved a couple of those knives, but not all of them. <laughs> I think I'm going to make that meme. So, so uh, we got... <laughs> God damn it. We got um, a new Eminem album, and I was uh, just like... It was about time he cropped up again, honestly. Yeah. But that it's like, means I didn't want It's him. like, I have to ruin this decade, too. And honestly, this is not that bad. It's not good. No, it's I definitely mean, not good. It's not Still good. F, I won't say it's not that bad because it is bad, but it's not. You're letting Eminem brainwash. You're letting him invest the, in your ears and nesting. <laughs> it's honestly like it's not the worst album I've reviewed this week. Uh, I'll say that too. I don't think it's that bad. Well, I didn't do the show with Jonathan, so yeah, it is the worst album I've reviewed. It's super long. Week. It's super pointless at times. Basically, Eminem's still the stuck point. in a middle ground. Eminem's extremely edgy. He wants to say the N word so bad, <laughs> but he's not allowed. <laughs> so he's got Royce the Five Nine to do it for him. <laughs> he has not mastered how to make an album of. A reasonable length. <laughs> yeah. It's 20 tracks at an hour and four minutes. Like, we're still clocking in over a, <laughs> over an hour. That's too much. That's way too much Eminem. That's more than I've ever asked for. I agree. For. Ever asked for. Um, the, it's like, half the tracks weren't on here. It's, I, I think it would be way better. Yeah, I don't know why he, like, thought so many of these tracks would be so good. Anyway... Eminem thinks that because he can rap fast, he's good. <laughs> Eminem at one point was good, and you still got fans that are like, oh, he outdid rap. God, he rapped so much faster on, on Majesty. <laughs> well, okay, like, 
we'll just throw Rap God away. Like, Majesty is the track now. And then on this one, you're like, oh, he raps so much faster on uh, Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah. Godzilla with Juice World. Well, we'll just throw Majesty away. Like, I, he's, I don't know. It's like he's trying to set a new world record every time. Just because somebody can rap fast does not mean that they're good. <laughs> it just means they can speed up their words. Yeah. Doesn't mean any of the lyrical content is of any worth. And you could ask and a lot of it ask like isn't. any Eminem fan, like, oh, like Eminem rapped fast in that line. What did he say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't know. So, um, so let's talk about. Uh, so this is inspired by the Alfred Hitchcock album "Music We Murdered By," and uh, that's where like uh, an alternate album cover comes from with like him putting the gun he's got the gun to his head in one and then he's got the one with the shovel because he's, he's gonna because he's dig gonna, his own <gasps> grave a berry <laughs> now it's triple h <laughs> <laughs> if triple h was on this album be 10 out of 10 but it isn't so uh so some of the choices he does after making such a big deal about uh doing soundcloud rap on the last album who appears <laughs> juice world juice world yum MMA. juice world i'm mad that this is the last feature that we've got I'm I, sure I can, there's one lined up for later this year, but right now this is the final Juice World feature. On, and I'm mad his about performance it. is pretty weak, but honestly, the track isn't like anything that kill his career. It's no, just I like, just don't want not, Eminem to have that. It's yeah. Um, <laughs> there's uh some weird choices like Q-tips on this thing. How how did a Q-tip would like yes put me on this album along with Black Thought. I don't know. To me, like Eminem's a legacy figure at this point. Honestly, like he he really is. I can't fight that. And I'm sure that they just wanted to be on there because they're also legacy figures. And, and keep in was, mind, this he is was like from one from one all time great rapper to another. Will you be on my album? And they're like, sure. Um, the track works out pretty well. The only thing, I yeah, can- the only thing that didn't get a feature was ODB on the chorus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Q-tips autotunes a little bit too much, but it's not anything to destroy the track. I think it would probably be better if he didn't have the pitching. Um, Anderson Park's on here, and he can compl- collaborates pretty well. It's That's not, okay, it's not yeah. a, it's not an RMP uh, scenario where like he's able to run the same snuff with him, but it's like Anderson Park only is helping that track uh <laughs> you got ed sheeran and one of the worst songs i've heard in a while but also one of the worst songs that is just stupidly enjoyable this I, tra- I like it this, because it's so stupid this song is terrible uh eminem okay so ed sheeran's just doing his typical performance so he's acting like this is completely normal non-cheesy like he's not trying to be a hard ass or anything no, that's the worst thing about this go on <laughs> but eminem comes through with lines about being this club meeting a girl and then going home and like having the sex but uh it has some cringy lines like serious though jokes aside how you doing you straight she said no i'm bi she said are you drunk i said no i'm high i'm checking out the chick she said no i am i so am i like what the fuck like this is just it's like just stupid it's cheesy it's like recovery territory of just like it's like that one track he did. Uh, what the fuck? Crack your bottle or something like that. Crack your bottle, let your body. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. It's just I think I think that's my biggest problem with this record is that Eminem is is rapping about inc- like just making incredibly cheesy, dated references. Like it's like he's still stuck in the '90s, and like when he was in the '90s making jokes about. Like Carson Daly and things like that works. Fred Durst, that works. Make a Moby jab, everybody gets it. But like 
Now, hearing him talk about like Beyonce and Jay Z makes me really oh, uncomfortable. What's that fucking line he has? A shit, shit like, like Beyonce and Jay Z. I mean, that just That's makes me really crazy. uncomfortable. It feels like it feels like so something from my past has like emerged and sees the world now and is like, I would compare it. Like, I don't. Okay, you know, like the Bubsy games. <laughs> Where he just keeps making like really dated references. That's what this is like. Um, and it makes some like seriously cringy stuff and like jokey feeling tracks. And then he tries to And be, then like, he makes serious. like really edgy serious tracks. Like Darkness, I know Fantano loves this track. It makes me really uncomfortable. Well, the, the sample in the back is stupid. The like the, the sound how, of silence. Okay, he, keep in mind. Keep in mind, it's not cranberries in your head. So I got to give him a credit for that. You know. Okay, he at <laughs> least chose two better cra- source material. But he was like, I don't know the kind of like the kind of mass shooting that he's describing on here is just all too real. And Eminem fits that bill. His fans fit that bill so well that it's it's way too realistic for me. <laughs> uh, referencing or trying to uh, create a shooting in a track, uh, I've seen a worse example that trippy red bang track. <laughs> that that was pretty bad because that didn't le- that didn't have any point. You just went around killing people. <laughs> uh, that was pretty edgy. This is not the worst example. I just don't like it. <laughs> no, because it's like. I feel like Trippy's example is better because it's, at least it's mindless, but Eminem is giving voice and thought to a mass shooter. And like, at least he's trying to critique it in some form or at least make a statement. It doesn't feel like it. The statement is very convoluted. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't care for that one, but we can both agree. Stepdad is just too, Stepdad edgy. Is he's too old to be this edgy. the worst. <laughs> I hate that track. It's literally like, <laughs> when the chorus came on the first time, I was like, there is no way he's going to do it. I, I, hey, and I was like, he's not going to do it. I like, I've got more faith in him that he's not going to do it. Stepdad. <laughs> he did it. And then he rhymes stepdad with stepdad. And that's just not right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> way, way too edgy. I did not like that. There's, he comes back. On some of the things he said about Tyler and Earl Sweatshirt and tracking over regrets with Don Tolliver, um, I'm really interested in this Don Tolliver album that's coming out because I don't, I don't, I don't think he can support a record on his own because he was okay on the Jack Boys. He's good at features, but he, like he just seems like an artist that should just be a feature or at least be like part of a collective, not just like yeah. It doesn't like he doesn't have any distinctive qualities to make himself, but he's he's fine on here. He said uh, Eminem says I can make a mistake and erupt and say ending it make a mistake and erupt and end up taking a dump or saying some dumb shit thinking I run shit misplacing my anger and give enough and give to uh, misplacing my anger and give enough to Earl entirely the creator the blunt or the brunt should have never made a response should have aimed for the fake ones. <laughs> M- MGK yeah MGK is fake. Well, Yachty's not fake. He took the shot for us. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, the end, I will is okay. With Slaughterhouse minus Joe Budden. Yeah. Why is it I only hear about Joe Budden when he's, like, talking about On the best rap list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I, I, don't, I don't understand that, but... Um, there's some material that's just okay. There's some material that's funny cringy there's nothing like super cringy the only thing super cringy is him still upholding the opinion that like 
revival and Epic Kamikaze are like worth it. That's like the worst thing, but at least he comes back that's, on the home. That's like the worst about it. Like going but that's back, not consistent. That's like the first two tracks. His like older career. I've talked about this before. And I'll say it again because it's the third Eminem review. <laughs> his old career where he was like his slim shady persona, he gave those kind of like weird uh off-putting comments to a persona. Mm. And Slim Shady was saying it, not Eminem. And that's that's great. And you can make fun pop rap, comedy rap, horror core stuff that's like under the name Slim Shady. But here's the thing. It was also defined as horror core. Yeah, it he was, was stuck also in that. young. Yeah. And he had right to hate his stepdad because he was only like He was 20. just edgy. He yeah. was just a young edgy dude. And now like or then after that like recovery, while it was like kind of cheesy, I thought that it like was powerful, like not afraid. I'm sure that took like a ton of guts to say like I'm done with my old lifestyle that I've been living for so long. I'm getting rid of the Slim Shady name. I'm getting rid of the Eminem name. Like I'm just gonna be a father. And I was like, cool. And then he came back, and now he's trying to like suggest like, yeah, I never left. Yeah, I've been the best. Yeah, I'm the greatest rapper alive, and I like have have never made a misstep in any of my music. Like. I've never made a bad record. I've never made a bad song. I'm the best there's ever been. You guys miss me. I'm going to save you from SoundCloud. Like, no. Sorry. Now he's like 50 some trying to like justify making the kind of music that he made when he was in his earlier career. Like when the Beatles got more experience in life, they didn't go back to making I wanna hold your hand. They're making like way different, more orchestrated. Yeah. Abstract Paul McCartney stuff. said he wanted to come on me. Yes, he did. <laughs> I love that joke. That's the joke that keeps on giving. Um, and then he said, fuck you. <laughs> I can't tell if he wanted to fuck me or fuck me. <laughs> That's I don't know. That's the thing. It's like Eminem is now 50 some and now he's back to making music about his stepdad. Yeah. He's back to making like shooting jokes. He's back to making really angel like or not angel edgy. Uh, just like, I don't know, really edgy tracks for no reason. Yeah. And he can't justify that now. Yeah. There's just this thing's so fucking long. Eminem has his normal quirks, the fast rapping, the stamina, the lamina. Uh, the the traditional vocals with the <laughs> he doesn't do that on this album but whatever the equivalent of uh, sometimes his vocals are better than others sometimes they're terrible like on stepdad uh, overall this is not like in the realm of kamikaze it's not definitely not in the realm of revival I think this is pretty middle of the road I don't think there's really anything super that like destroys the flow of this album besides the fucking length um but like sitting through this, it didn't feel like pulling teeth like Kamikaze did. I think it's just straight in the middle. Lengthwise, I think it did. I'm gonna give it like a four. Wait, I didn't do the intro. I Keep in mind the scores. That's you telling me this right now? It's a four. <laughs> uh, it's. I think it's like a forty-five. Forty-five, forty-five Jesus. out of ten. I oh fucking love this album because it made me. <laughs> my meat was murdered during. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that's it. Uh, I don't know. I hope I'm never improved in some step. And some step is the right step because it's not past the zero. Like, I don't know. To me, like, I think you should just own up that he's he's been making dumb music and do a little bit of growing up. Or here's the thing. Not even fucking mention 
make or reference. Don't make music. Just, no, just don't even reference it. I think that's probably the best part. It just like give us moments like where he's collaborating with like Q-Tip and Royce to Five Nine or Young M.A. Because those are literally some of yeah, the most harmless the, moments. At this point, a grown man would have swallowed their pride and just said like, you know, I made a misstep, but he's refusing to do so. Yeah. Uh, now it's time for us to make a collage at the college. Do you have the old People magazines <laughs> yeah. to cut out? Uh, time to go to the latest Muramasa album, RYC Raw Youth Collage. Food Ooh. review. <laughs> that was just, I don't know why I said it that way, but. All right, if you can tell me how to pronounce that, I'll M- say it. Mer- oh, uh, Gernesee. I'm assuming. I don't know. Where is that? I don't. I think maybe on this. It's probably Europe, definitely, but I don't know where. And I can look it up here. Continue. Okay, uh, Muramasa is a based electronic <laughs> producer, <laughs> songwriter, and multi instrumentalist who's probably best known for his single "Love Sick" with ASAP Rocky. Oh, Agernesi is one of the channel, the Channel Islands in the English Channel near the French coast, and oh, it's a self governing British Crown dependency. Interesting. Okay, well, he's from the uh, from Europe. Yeah, somewhere in there. Somewhere around there. Anyway, uh, he's probably most well known for his single "Love Sick" with ASAP Rocky, as well as his work with Slow Tie on Doorman. Yeah, off, off of, of uh, nothing great about, about Britain. Britain. Bob, what does Muramasa know about Britain? He's from Guernsey. <laughs> he's from Hennessy. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I I love you, Muramasa. <laughs> Trevor Hart hearts you. Um, so I was really interested. To hear this because uh, the sing- single with Slow Tie, also his last production work on Slow Tie's album, uh, the track Deal With It is really. You didn't say in- it right. Deal with it! Deal with it. <laughs> no. <laughs> deal with it. With. 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 Yeah, there you deal go. With deal it. with it. Um, I was just interested in seeing what this would be because I'm assuming. He, like, I know he sings. I also know he like his last album had designer on it, so I didn't know how much curation was gonna be on this. Like if you look at the features of the last record, designer Charlie XCX, Damon Albarn, Damon Albarn, Christine and the Queens. Like, uh, sounds like he's on this record too. <laughs> um, so basically, what I got a lot of this is a lot of uh, similar impact of like a, a Brockhampton, Kevin Abstract. Um, I think British Brockhampton. Not, I, I don't think it's like there's yes. enough new aunts though. It's more just taking from what the contemporary stylings of like a, a moody pop R and B is. To me, this is like almost bedroom pop, like very yeah. youthful pop. I youthful melancholy pop punk because it's not, but also it's got kind of like punk elements. And it has punk it has the emo like twang. Yeah, the yeah. E- like emo kind of thing. Uh, the opening track, Raw Youth Collage, as well as No Hope Generation, I think are both pretty good tracks. Yeah. Uh, the first one reminds me almost of like a Pixies cut. Like very much so like Where Is My the Haircut? Mind. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't, how does a Pixie cut even look? It's just like it's just short hair. I think so. You have a pixie cut. No, I don't. You have short hair. No. <laughs> that's a pixie cut. I think it's short hair on a girl. <laughs> I think that's literally what the classification might be. That's kind I'll of look it up. Let's do some more no, research. I don't want to do any more research. <laughs> um, anyway, both of those tracks I found to be pretty endearing. Um, I love that, like, 
guitar twang on the uh, raw youth collage opening uh, self-titled track. The track with Clara, I don't think I can do this again. I enjoyed it. I think Clara brings more emotion than she's brought in her entire solo career to this one Here, feature. Here's but the also, thing. I think the, the song is a little too long. It's so long. Uh, it's weird that he doesn't, Miramasa doesn't really appear on the track other than productionally. And uh, I think I'm just uh just lost not lost but i'm just like emotionless when it comes to claire at this point because i don't feel like she really delivers anything that's really worth her weight except for being weirdly i don't know if you noticed this but from one of the tracks off uh jpeg mafia's album on spotify the the like the video tile thing that they do it's just a photo of clara for some fucking reason She has no attachment to that's that song. Very, that's very JPEG to do. <laughs> um, but I feel like, I don't know, a lot of times I feel like she just delivers the same performance whether the production of it or not is important or the lyricism. I just think it's the same. Yes. Um, I, I don't think it really does anything for me. Also, you probably uh, could have gotten any female voice on this track, but I like the addition of the female voice. I think it's probably a good also, way to say that. pixie haircuts for thick hair, full of texture and manageable volume. I could get a pixie cut. <laughs> I think I'm going to. <laughs> We're going to fix the cut, yeah. Uh, the track In My Mind is is the longest cut on here, and I think it really shows, but also it's just Muramasa yeah. um, showing off what he can do, and I enjoy that display. Can we talk about how great the little skit is a meeting? I was going to talk about that at the end. <laughs> you want to? Yeah. I have a theory about the Unless banana. you want to do it right now. I want to talk about it right now. All right, these like lowercase letter tracks. So a meeting at an oak tree, uh, Vicarious Living Anthem, and then that very end Nocturne for Strings in a Conversation are like almost little interludes yeah. into this album. And the first one, a meeting at an oak tree is narrated by Ned Green and I just I love this story. It's very because it's I mean I want to say it's wholesome but it's not wholesome. It's like very nostalgic. <laughs> I just like to hear so, I like to hear people so like basically, tell stories. A guy almost gets caught having sex with his girlfriend so he jumps out the <laughs> jumps out the window without any clothes and uh, except for his phone apparently and, and he's he, in a tree. He hides behind the tree while her no, he's dad in the tree. Oh, he gets in the tree? I don't remember that part. And he texts is his girlfriend uh, meet me at the oak tree with clothes and a banana? <laughs> no, it's banana. Banana, <laughs> and because he wants to have the he wants to put up his butthole. I actually think it's a racist. <laughs> <laughs> the banana? No, what he's implying? Because <laughs> he's in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the dumbest joke that's been told. Today, and me and Jonathan have been outdoing each other, trying to tell the worst jokes of all time. So, congratulations. Thank you. You win. Tell uh, Jonathan. That one was not only a bit offensive, but <laughs> bad. No, it's good. That, at least that's what I thought when he told that. Are you being serious? That's what you thought? I didn't think it was racist. Oh. I just told you it was racist. But I thought because he was in the tree, yes, for a banana, because he's comparing himself to a monkey. Oh. <laughs> It's not racist at all. Obviously, like I was joking when I say he was gonna fuck himself with a banana. He's gonna eat it. Maybe I don't know. Or he's gonna like. I think it's just for the joke. <laughs> he was joking around with his girlfriend. Hey, bring me a banana. <laughs> um, the this I think a lot of the grooves on this it gets kind of to a point where you almost get uh, experimental pop with like uh not like a Charlie XCX hundred gex type vibe, but not as bold. A little bit of that electronic twist to kind of bring a static or a 
type of distortion to the track. Um, these last two tracks, Georgia, uh, like live, like we're dancing in teenage headache dreams, uh, featuring Georgia and Ellie Roswell, I think are pretty good. I, I think they basically sent this album to a climax, but I don't, my biggest problem with this album is I think the curation's good. I think the personality's good. And I think it, it fits the vibe. It reminds me a lot of what I liked about the last vegan album. Where it sets up a mood, it consistently puts out the mood, and it may not be completely unique to itself, but it sets out a pattern. You can sense some of the influences on its sleeve, or some yeah. of the cons- or the contemporary influences that are in the genre, and it works. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's just there's nothing that really resonates with me, and that's the biggest problem. Like I, I like the environment, but other than that, I just I feel like I don't know. I've heard better of this it's not bad because i think everything he sets up is is solid i guess except I ar- for the length of the clara track that's about it i would argue that the killer track on here is the slow tide yeah. track but that doesn't really like fit in with the rest of the it's weirdly of this album. placed but it also, it also i feel like really sets up a very like oh, british i get it now feeling he so he asked her to get a banana <laughs> And then slow tie is like this. It's like he's taking on the persona of the character, and he says, "Deal with it. Give me a banana, bitch." <laughs> that was really walking interesting. back through my oldest day. <laughs> uh, the slow tie tech reminds me of like post punk. This Very is what Damon Albarn wishes he could be featured on. It's also I can feel. I can feel the like twang of him. I can feel his voice. Wanting to creep in there, like he wasn't even part of recording. But it's, like, it's also if us uh, sleeper mods actually tried at certain points. This is kind of the sound I think they would establish, or at times they've had. I would to listen to sleeper mods then. <laughs> but I, I think Slow Tie is just oozing character. He's the one person on here. Just it's undeniable. It's too fun. It's, I, I just love that. Track. He's too inescapable on this. The grooves are too much. The music video where he's just walking around is completely insane. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just feel like this album sets up a very like British feel to it. That helps it a lot. Meeting at the Oak Tree helps it a lot. Like, I don't, this sounds really stupid, but like hearing them talk, like hearing British people talk, like sets up that British environment, like or more. Uh, I think for you, it's just a foreign environment. <laughs> a foreign environment. No, that's what he wanted to put the banana. He wanted to put it in this foreign environment. <laughs> uh, vicarious living anthem sounds very close to dancing with myself. Yeah, like you Billy showed Idol. you showed that it, it made me laugh. I didn't think about that. Also, that's the, all I could think also about. Also, the guitar sounds like that. Uh, which was Christmas today <laughs> song. I think the Strokes cover it. It was also on SNL. I forget who originally made it. Um, I like this. I think it sets up a mood. I just think I don't know. I want new, more nuance. It doesn't really it's like a lot of fun. I think it's fun. It's fun pop music. And at the end of the day, it succeeds uh, the ideas and the aspirations it had, but it doesn't really push past that to yeah. be its own self. Really. Um, Keep in mind, that scores a few time minutes right now. This is a seven. I enjoyed it. I'll I give it a seven. I really like it. It's a short it. listen. Doesn't really stay long. It's only 37 minutes. Holds my attention, but I, I wish there was more, some something for me to return to, yeah. really, besides that slow tie track. Okay. Are we professional? No. Are we the professionals? Yes. Actually, no, because that's Mad Lib and Ono. Time to go over the latest <laughs> Mad Lib and Ono album, The Professionals. Mad Lib and Ono, two legendary... Just two brothers making music, having fun. 
This is the <laughs> keep only it thing alike, that they've keep it made. <laughs> the only thing they made. Um, uh, Mad Lib's a legendary producer. His most recent project uh, was with Freddie Gibbs on Bandana, which was came out last summer, and it was a great time. What a good time! We we'd be silly to not mention other projects like Mad Villainy, uh, Shades of Blue. I wasn't actually going to mention the Unseen. Any other projects. Pinata, no, this is the only one. Alabama, <laughs> Montana, Montana. <laughs> Nebraska, Banana, <laughs> poor environment. Um, uh, well, Ono is best known for composing the soundtrack to GTA Five. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's, yeah. Um, but, uh, also, but then also last year he was uh, on an album with Blue. Blue and Ono present of red, hot, long, hard Los Angeles <laughs> summer night. A red, long, hard, throbbing <laughs> Los hot. Angeles summer night. <laughs> Have you seen the tweet? Have you seen the tweet that just keeps getting tweeted? It's just Mike's heart. <laughs> it's probably tweeted like every day for the same account. I don't remember what the account is. <laughs> But uh, Blue produced or Blue produced some of the most ambitious uh, production I heard last year. They really incorporated an entire soundscape of L.A., which I thought was really impressive. Even though I was not uh, not Blue, oh no, but I was not in true thrall with Blue's performance. Uh, I think the storytelling and the production and the atmosphere helped. I think on this, it's a really interesting environment because it's it's Mad Lib making the beats. And it's Ono rapping. When I heard the concept of uh, Mad Lib and Ono getting together, I thought, oh, two brothers, they're going to come together and they're going like, to splice some beats. Probably going to wrestle. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mad Lib's going to be at the NPC. And the blue, or I keep on saying blue. Ono tells them to get off. And they says, Mom said it's my turn on the NPC. <laughs> um, but I was hoping it was more production based. And then we got Ono rapping and. It's not super interesting to me. Uh, it's kind of underwhelming. It's, it's he's not bad, but there really isn't anything special about him. And like the features we get, we get LZ of uh, Slum Village. Is that where he's from? I think so. Yeah. Um. He he was he was around when Jay Dilla research was gone, right? And then we also get a uh, Chino XL and A Dub on here as features. Uh, this thing just seems very bland lyrically. I think the production's good. It's solid. It's not Mad Lib's best by no, any I means. I think Mad Lib's definitely pulling his weight. I really like his uh, very intoxicating. I don't know. I had a word for it earlier. I can't remember. Uh, just very like trippy. Yeah. Disorienting is the word. Hazy. Beats. Hazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, it kind of all just all very characteristic together. of Mad Lib, but. I don't know. Not saying Ono can't hang. Yeah. Obviously, it's his brother. He's doing fine. But his rapping, his style, his stories, like, they just don't enthrall me in yeah. a way that Mad Lib's production can do, like, on its own. Even, like, when Mad Lib, like, was doing Quasimodo, I think, even though it was, like, not the best lyricism, at least it was, like, character. And, uh. That wasn't, that wasn't Mad Lib. That was just Quasimodo. <laughs> A different guy. Two you, got the, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> Two different people, I'm sorry. Um, but oh no, on this is just kind of bland. Um, kind of the same vein of Blue on the last record. Except he doesn't have a narrative or like a huge soundscape. To right, work he doesn't with. He doesn't have that kind of like, I guess Crutch is a good yeah. way to put that. When that was a concept album, the, yeah. the LA Night or whatever, that was a concept album about 
like this big story being told, but this one doesn't have that doesn't have that to lean on. Also, it feels really fucking long. It's only 44 minutes. It feels like way over an hour. And it's, I feel like it's the same thing like over and over. I like a lot of the like vocal samples, like yeah. movie samples they use from this. Especially like uh, at the very end, they're talking about like, it's almost like they're at a show talking about like white people are very patient. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that that, that skit is so funny. <laughs> if you don't listen to any other skits, listen to the very last <laughs> one at the end of Dishonored Valor. Um, uh, Dishonored Valor is probably the only point where any like lyricism kind of like seems like it has any like true nuance. Or yeah, ideas. I actually didn't like that track when I first heard it. Uh, I much preferred something like Timeless Treasures, um, Superhumans. But I think Dishonored Value, Valor might be like one of the most poignant tracks on here. It talks a lot about uh, the military and getting like, uh, I guess the the there wasn't really like a message behind it. It's no, just, just like talking about the military and like the kind of institution that's been set up here in like America about like the military and like feeding off of poor people basically and talks about like oh i've had friends that were in the military and they got dishonorably like discharged because they were smoking weed or something he was like well i would have done the same thing and also set it could set up people with ptsd it could set up to only live after they're honored as a soldier only to live a life here as like a drug dealer right or a gangster right so like it really doesn't improve a lot of the scenarios uh-huh. It's just very interesting. The chorus I found to be like it's very catchy yeah. as well. Natalie does a great job on the beat, and um, oh no, does a does a really good job on the chorus. It sticks in my mind all the time. Uh, talking about like oh, if you want to be like if you want to be a gangster, if you want to be a killer, if you want to be uh, nobody, join the military. Yeah, it it works. I think also at the same time uh, throughout a lot of this, it just. <laughs> There's nothing that really ties any of this together besides the production. But yeah. it isn't like one solid space. It's just the production really nicely flows into the next track. I also found that weird because like the rest of this is like very like braggadocio. Yeah. Uh, oh no, just kind of talking about himself the majority of the time. And then the very last track, he's like, you know what else I hate? The military. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I just I just felt left wanting way more than was on here. And I think... I don't know. The Madlib portion was fine. Uh, he still has better production than this, um, but he wasn't. He was the one pulling his weight on this. Yeah. Oh no, it's just not really compelling as a solo artist, as a front man. I don't know. I found that disappointing because, like, going into this, I almost had like a preconceived notion that it wasn't gonna be like super hot or anything. Yeah. And then uh, when I got into it, I was like, it's a little disappointing. Yeah. It was disappointing even when I was expecting to be disappointed. Yeah. Uh, keep my scores for futile and meaningless right now. This is a five six. I give it like a five. Yeah, and uh, I think that's it. I think that's it for this week. Uh, next week we'll be back with more uh, jokes about putting bananas up your up your foreign foreign region. Is that what it is? Area. Foreign area. You can uh, be all you want to be. Until next time, you can find. <laughs> Until next time, guys, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Anthony and Todd. You can find us at YouTube.com forward slash the Anthony Todd. You can find us at Patreon.com forward slash the Anthony and Todd. And you can find us on Stitcher, Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and Spotify by searching the Anthony and Todd show in your favorite podcast service. And nice. uh, until next time, guys, I'm Vincent. Vincent. He's Trevor. Trevor. Ver, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye, everybody.